To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. You're ready to move up. everyone welcome to the show uh what you heard there of course at the beginning of the show is the 66 theme song um uh, you're hearing this edit into the show um not because you know well actually it's because i i didn't know what to say when we started this particular episode um i think uh, adam west's passing uh affected me a little bit more than what I realized, and while we were kind of getting into the, you know, introductions to the call and getting everybody set up, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I, I don't know how to start the show. Um, that Adam was the first uh, Batman I can remember seeing on TV, and trying to find some way to talk about somebody that you kind of idolized or look up to that has passed, um, I. I really fumbled the intro of the show, and I, I felt really bad. Like, this is how I'm going to start the episode of the passing of Adam West. And so I, I wanted to record something a little bit better now that I've had a little bit more time to kind of prepare. Uh, the day that we recorded it, he had just passed the, the previous day. Um, I think you can hear in uh, the four of us that are on the show... Uh, that we were still kind of reeling with it, like this is a real thing uh, that that has just happened. So um, I don't know if this introduction into the show is any better than the one that I recorded uh, with the other guys at the time of the call. Um, I I just didn't know where to start. Um, you'll hear Terrence in a little bit. He has uh, an idea, and I, I really kind of... I like his thought behind it of why maybe it's affecting a lot a lot of us more than we anticipated. So uh, on the show, you'll hear Ryan and Terrence, of course, but we invited a, a special friend of the podcast, uh, Tim Jirasi from the Bat Fans. Uh, and the other half of the show is uh, part one of our Night's End discussion. Uh, but with his passing, uh, we knew we, we had to say uh, something at the beginning of the show. So I don't know if this introduction <laughs> did any better than the one I initially started the show with, but you'll hear me kind of start, you know, where where I was at in the stream of finding out about uh, Adam West passing. So without further ado, let's just get into the show and uh, let's uh, take a moment to remember Adam West. Na 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 Adam West. Uh, yesterday, uh, while I was watching my wife try on glasses at the uh, 
um, eye doctors, and she's going in and out and trying different things. Like most guys do, we just instantly get on our phones and start scrolling through, and I start seeing reports on Twitter uh, about Adam West. And I'm like, what, what did that say? So I'd go through and I would read it again, and instantly, I think like a lot of us, I was like, Ah, this is a hoax. You know, it's just one of those things that they choose ex-celebrity, you know, died, passed away. And I just kept scrolling through news feeds. And I'm like, I'll just do a hashtag on Adam West and I'll see what it was. And the post that I got on was only like a minute old. I thought, wow, how true can that be? And then over the course of like the next 30 seconds, it was post after post after post came up. And uh, Terrence and I are part of a uh, podcaster's chat room. So I sent a message in there to some other podcasters and like, am I seeing this correct? And I started getting replies like, are you serious? Are you kidding? So, uh, of course, with it being anything Batman, but especially Batman 66 and even more importantly, Adam West, it just spread through uh, all out social media, like right away. It just started filtering through uh, everyone. And I think at one point I had 12 separate uh PM private messages going on between different people that I was trying to uh, text back and forth. I was talking to Andy DeGenova uh, from Holy Batcast for a while, um, and a bunch of other podcasters and just other you know friends that you meet uh, through social media. So I kind of wanted to uh, go around to everybody. What did you think the first uh, time you heard it? Because I think also I think I delivered the message to both Terrence and uh, Ryan right away. Was that the first you guys had heard of it? Was from uh, my text message, or, or did you find out later? Let's start with uh, Terrence. Yeah, no, I, I first from your message. Yeah, Ryan. No, uh, actually, it was like I got your message a little later than I found out. Like okay. we had, we had tried uh, <laughs> unsuccessfully to record a BOF podcast yesterday, and I was already kind of in a grumpy mood because that kind of fell apart, and we had to reschedule. And then, just as soon as I started getting on with my day. I logged back onto Twitter and right there it was seconds after the variety. I think it was variety, whatever um, variety. Yeah, yeah. Seconds after that posted on Twitter, I saw it immediately and I was like, "Oh no, this is terrible." So yeah. Uh, Tim, how did you uh, end up finding out about it? Yeah, I was actually just scrolling through Twitter and then just seeing the first post for it. Uh, sent out like. And it's the headline was already on the tweet. You know, Adam West has died. I'm like, oh, this hit you like a ton of bricks when you're seeing that because I don't know. I wasn't aware that he was really been sick for a while, so it kind of came out of the blue for me. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh man, like, like, is this really possible? Because it's one of those things where you know, there's so many actors have been associated with playing Batman, but. It's hard. There's a few of them who, you know, are so associated and iconic with the role as Adam West was with Batman. So when we're losing kind of like the first one of those actors that we've been so used to seeing a year after year, not just through the TV shows, but like in other appearances. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's a pop culture presence. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was just really bummed us to kind of start the day that way, knowing that, you know, Adam West is no longer here. Yeah. Uh, that was just like the, I, I, I know it sounds cliche to say things like this, but just kind of like shock. I, I can't remember um, who I was talking to. Like I said, I was talking to so many people throughout the day yesterday, but uh, there are those celebrities or even just 
you know, normal people throughout your life, you you always just assume that, well, that person's always going to be there. Not that you don't ever think about death, but they just kind of have such a, an impact in your life of who you are. And um, especially when it comes to like pop culture, things like this, it's like, well, Adam West is always going to pop up somewhere, you know, uh, most recently in, in the Big Bang Theory. Are you crazy? How can you put Michael Keaton in front of Christian Bale? Oh, please. <laughs> Even my poodle's no belts overrated. Thank you. That's why I say Keaton's number one. He brought a sense of humor to the role. Oh, if you're going to factor in a sense of humor, well, I should be at the top of the list. It should be me, Keaton, Kilmer, Lego, Bale, and that pretty boy, Cloney. Really? You're ahead of Bale? The man who personified the words, I'm Batman. <laughs> I never had to say I'm Batman. I showed up. People knew I was Batman. <laughs> Everywhere I went on the TV show mall openings, Julie Newmar's bungalow. <laughs> I'm sold. You're ahead of Bale. <laughs> There's another reason I should be higher on the list. All those other guys had muscles built in their costumes. All I had in my bat suit was 100% grade A West. Can we just all agree we're worried about Affleck? Sure. Yeah, of course. What's an Affleck? I said most recently in the... Uh, direct-to-video Batman 66 animated uh, movie, which was just a blast to watch, and knowing that they were going to be doing another one. I think I saw one of your tweets, Ryan, that said that that project did get finished, the uh, Mm Two-Face. Yeah, I think they recorded them both pretty close to each other, so that's that's done. That's ready to go. Yeah, that's just I, I thank goodness. Wanna, yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's always one of those things you want to go. I, I hope they left some, you know, kind of like Prince has recorded bazillions yeah. of you know albums, and we kind of know that there's always going to be you know new Prince music probably filtering out somewhere. But somebody with like Adam West, you kind of you feel sad at one point, but you hear he was 88. That kind of puts things, you know, maybe doesn't make it sting as much you go well he was 88 years old he had a long productive life and you kind of feel feel a little bit better about it as opposed to somebody that's in their 20s or 30s and you go oh they have had such you know a long career you know ahead of themselves what i kind of wanted to ask is where everybody came in uh to batman 66 was that your first batman did you land on an animated series uh i'll start for me um, the Batman 66 uh, TV series, actually, I you know, wasn't alive in, 60s, in the 60s, but it was running heavily in rotation in uh, the late 70s and uh, into the 80s growing up. So I, I can't remember if I saw uh, Batman 66 first or if I saw uh, the 1970s, the new uh, Adventures of Batman that was also voiced by uh, Adam West and Burt Ward. So my first Batman I remember hearing has always been uh, Adam West. I think the cartoon might have come first uh, for me, and then I, it just kind of seems like that the cartoon, uh, I realized that there was a live-action version of 
I instantly recognized those two voice actors. Thought, oh, those are the guys from the cartoon, which you know actually that was in reverse. So that was my first uh, introduction into Adam West as Batman. Uh, what about you, Terrence? Yeah, you know I've been into Batman before I can even remember. I mean, like so somewhere at age one and two and three, I was watching '66 because in New York, I think it came on every day in syndication or every weekday in syndication. <clears throat> Excuse me, and my. Um, Family was a big fan of the show, and the Super Friends uh, was on at the same time. Yeah. And then there was some that was was an Adam West voice, but I, I I don't think I could tell the difference at that age. And then there was some that was Adam West, and like the, he was in like the Scooby Doo cartoon and everything. <laughs> so it, it's all just a big mix of '66 and Super Friends. And I don't I don't even know if I knew a difference between animated or or Batman, but I took it you know deadly serious. I had no idea that it was a joke or uh, a spoof or camp or any of that it was like as you know every every time i think it would say like um it was two-part episodes and it would always be a cliffhanger mm-hmm. and i and i always thought like oh my gosh this could be the end this could be the end but i think in new york at the time in the in the late 70s they would show the the episodes back to back yeah I so i didn't have that. to wait to to the next day to see it i think when it was on um they showed the episodes uh, one day after like one was on a Tuesday and one was on a Wednesday or something like that. But, um, but yeah, like, I, I, I mean, as I, I can't, it goes so far back. I can't even remember, uh, where it started, but it's all, all of that is just all mixed as like one big, like blur of Batman. It's all Batman to me, but it's definitely Adam West. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, that's a good way to put it, Terrence. The, it's all Batman to me kind of thing. I mean, I feel lucky that, Adam West it is my first Batman as well. I mean, I'm I definitely was not alive when the show was around for first run or whatever, but um, I was born in 1987, so I remember watching the 60 Batman 66 on um, the Family Channel, which turned into ABC Family, which turned into Freeform. <laughs> but uh, that's that was my first exposure to not just that show, but to Batman and comics and you know fandom and superheroes. Period. It was was Batman sixty six. From remember watching it with at my you know Nana Nana's house. You know when I was like two or three. You know and that was like the first Batman thing I ever experienced. And you know from there I graduated on to the you know Burton films and the Batman animated series and everything. And so that was one of those driving force kind of things for my fandom to kind of accept different versions of the character because I hadn't grown up with any particular version. I grew up with all of them and that's kind of helped shape, you know, my thoughts on the character and everything. And so I never really shunned the 60s show because I identified with it as a kid and immediately continued to do so throughout the years because, you know, you can't really have a bad version of, well, you can have a bad version of Batman, but most of them are good. Um, so, and Adam West is, that show works because of Adam West. Let's be honest. I mean, if it wasn't for the way that the choices he made and the way that he decided to portray the character, I don't think the show would have lasted quite as long as it did. And I think that's, you know, very much due to to his approach to the character. We'll get to Tim in just a second, but I want to piggyback on what you said. I've got the uh, 66 uh, box set that came out a couple of mm. years ago now, and mm-hmm. they have the test screenings. Um, exactly. This uh, is a good point. Of uh, Adam West and Burt Ward, but they 
the studio was like, ah, let's just see a couple other people. And I can't remember who the other Robin was, but Lyle Wagner uh, mm-hmm. was also up for the running of Batman. And instantly, like the same exact scenes, it same does not work. dialogue, <laughs> it, it doesn't work. And I wanted to, like, I rewound it, you know, rewound, <laughs> backed it up, <laughs> and uh, heard Adam Westler those lines again. And, like, that's Batman. I could not envision anybody else uh, in that role. Like you said, it's... He he made that Batman character work. I think the show rested solely uh, on his shoulders. But uh, Tim, uh, what about you? Your uh, introductions to Adam West and like what your first Batman might have been? Yeah, so kind of similar to what Terrence was saying, how I don't have that memory of the first time I discovered Batman as a character. It's kind of someone who's always been there or something I've always been into. But with the Adam West TV show, I think that's, you know, the first thing of Batman that I really got like hardcore into and just watched all the time. Cause if I remember right, I believe it was around like 1988, early 89 when the, they were showing reruns of it on uh, Fox at that time, kind of to get people yeah. ready for the movie. And so they showed it every day and my dad kind of introduced, like introduced it to me. So knowing that I like the character Batman, but here's the TV show that you can watch with him. And yeah, I just remember eating it all up as a little kid, just being so into it, just the, the way it looked, the colorful characters and the villains that were there exposed me to a lot of Batman's classic villains for the first time from that TV show. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, not going to go down as like my favorite interpretation of Batman, but it's probably one of the most important interpretations of Batman for me and so many other fans out there because it was our first exposure uh, or one of our first exposures to the character that really got us into it and kind of kept us <laughs> as Batman fans down the line. And, you know, it kind of went through that phase as I got older and started appreciating more of the darker aspects of Batman, the more serious stuff with the animated series and movies and then the Nolan movies later on. How And then you kind of look down on the Adam West show. It's like, oh, that's not Batman. That's a disgrace. How could, you know, be treated as a joke like that? But even as I got older from that, you get to appreciate it for what it was. And because... You know, at this point in time in Batman's history, uh, kind of to what you were saying, Ryan, yeah, there is probably some bad interpretations, but really there's almost none because a lot of them are valid, exactly. whether it's light, dark, a little campy. So he's mm-hmm. got to appreciate it for what it is. And I come to just appreciate it more as I got older and kind of how I did as a kid and how I was into it then and just, you know, looking back at it fondly now. So, yeah, it's definitely one of the most important uh, points in Batman's history. And like you guys said, it's a lot of it is due to Adam West and his performance. It would not be what it is without um, the way he portrayed Batman and Bruce Wayne too. So yeah, just, you got, as Batman fans, there's so much to be thankful for with what Adam West did with the character. And, you know, just thinking about Adam West as a person for the past, I don't know, it's hard to tell, but maybe like 20, 25 years or so, he has been the best ambassador for the character in general. Just, He's Grandpa Batman, right? Like right. he goes to all the he was goes to all those conventions. He talks to people. He's just he he took a switch there and embraced his role in pop culture and and was the best ambassador for the for Batman himself that I think any of the fans could ask for. Oh, yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Totally, oh, sorry. And, and not only that, but the best parts of that, the character, like doing right. Yes. Justice, yes. Uh, you know, helping others. You know, what do you call himself? The light night or the white night? You know, yeah, like the, the, the bright, bright night. night. Yeah, yeah. Like like that. That was really cool. And I, I just want to say, like, to piggyback on what you said, Rob, about initial reaction. You know, initial reaction was for me was like, oh, bummer. 
But then, you know, I kind of looked and said, well, he was 88 years old and that's a good life. That's the, that's a good life. And I've had some relatives who've lived, you know, into their 90s and they the last couple of years were not very good. And they were, you know, shells of themselves and, and not very good. And it's almost better to maybe go a, a year or two early than a year or two late. And it looks like from all the, the, the things we've seen that he was, you know, working and and and. Uh, performing you know and and appearing at places you know just till recently so i feel like you know he 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 was you know probably very good right you know up until the end there uh as far as mentally and and physically so you know i think it it in the weekend it's become more like a celebration of his life and my my initial thought was you know back in 89 you know people really kind of turned on him in the series a bit you know um you know you had people who've always loved it but people who were like oh this is so much better than the 60s and tim burton and the dark knight and the serious and all this and and in in time it's kind of come around that people really have people who even felt that way have a real appreciation for what he did and realize we would not have the Batman. We would not have the dark Knight if it wasn't for him and Burt Ward and, and that show keeping the, the character in the mm-hmm. public consciousness and on the forefront. And I'm really glad that he did live long enough to, to reap those benefits of seeing that and getting the appreciation from fans and, and being so well respected by, by all Batman fans, not just a select few. And I'll tell you, and, and Tim, you'll like this. The thing that really kind of turned me around from that was I, I loved, love, love his appearance as the gray ghost on the animated series. Uh, yeah. That was Absolutely. just so good. And, uh, he, it, he was so well. And that, from the day I saw that episode, I, I was just, you know, Team Adam West back again for like a little kid. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to just say that. This place is amazing. It's just like the Grey Ghost's lair. It's almost an exact replica. Let me show you something else. As a kid, I used to watch you with my father. The great ghost was my hero. So it wasn't all for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that is also one of my uh, favorite Batman uh, animated series episodes. It's so hard to kind of pin down, but you can look at that episode from top to bottom. And uh, it's just, it's a great, it's, it's a love letter back to the 60s and even putting that in there that Bruce Wayne was a fan of the Grey Ghost and that um, when it's said from, you know, that the Batman was a fan of the Grey Ghost, that mm-hmm. it, it kind of comes out in his character. You can kind of hear uh, the reverence and the love and respect uh, in, a, in a cartoon series. You're like, oh, wow, that's that's just so cool that they... Uh, that they did that and they wrote that dialogue in there and something I'd always had wondered I thought it would have been pretty cool if he'd ever voiced you know Thomas Wayne at all in any of the episodes I thought that would have been a cool touch but that great ghost he, episode he, he, did, he, he did in the Brave and the Bold yeah, I, huh. I thought so yeah uh, I couldn't remember if he had done it in the uh, uh, animated series but I was almost sure he did in, uh, in the other one as well um, any uh, final thoughts here, uh, just in Adam West in general, or uh, a favorite 66 uh, episode uh, that you guys have or other works? Uh, Ryan? I mean, the 60s show is great. I mean, everything that he's done is just, it's just you're, you're not going to replicate 
from what this what Adam West was able to give us. But uh, you know that Grey Ghost episode really is fantastic. It's almost like when you boil it down and look at it from outside the episode, it's almost like Batman thanking Adam West for what Adam West did. <laughs> yeah, you know, which is which is true. You know, like that the '60s show it saved historically it saved the comic book from getting canceled yeah so i think not just batman but the superhero genre in general all the stuff we love we know kind of owe it to that show and adam west too so yeah he, he'll be missed but man what a legacy and it's such a gift that we're going to get at least this last um animated feature with batman versus two-face that we'll get to you know watch here in a couple months and, and celebrate him so yeah. i think that's fantastic uh terrence yeah, you know, uh, we, we owe so much to that show because, you know, when, when Superman, the motion picture was a hit, the knee jerk reaction at Warner Brothers were like, well, what's next? And it was Batman and it was only Batman because of the TV show. And um, the I just I, re- I remember so clearly and I've said this before on the podcast, reading a Starlog magazine in the, the mid 80s when because they were talking about doing the Batman movie since the early 80s and there was even talk of doing it like the 66 show having uh what's his face bill murray play batman and and eddie murphy play robin and and um i remember reading that starlog magazine and burt ward in an interview saying well i don't i don't think people are gonna buy another batman movie unless it's adam west and myself and i remember thinking like oh my gosh this this tim burton one's gonna be a disaster because of this and (laughs) yeah not realizing that was burt ward trying to work his way into the movie but you know but i do remember 89 when it came out some of my parents generation um saying like ah this isn't for me or adam west you know the 66 show that's the one i like you know and um I just wanted to throw out if if anybody is looking for a cool Adam West thing, there was a TV show that came on in 1991. They only made the pilot episode, but the pilot episode mm-hmm. has become like a cult classic because it was written by uh, Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's called it's called Look Well, and it's up on uh, and right, Robert yeah. Smeagol, and it's up on um, YouTube, and it's like considered like the funniest show that never got made like I, how they didn't make this a series i don't know but um if you ever want to see just classic great adam west and and laugh check out look well on youtube it's definitely worth it it doesn't pay to court disaster robin all right so uh you know editor's note here i want to thank rob for letting me come on here so this this was recorded um a good five or six hours after we'd stopped recording i was sleeping and, uh, yeah, and I, I called Rob and I said, Rob, Rob, get back on Skype. I, I've been thinking about this. I can't stop thinking about this. And I, I just wanted to add a little bit more to our conversation on Adam West. So, of course, after the um, recording, uh, my wife and I went out to dinner. And, of course, where did we go to? Red, Red Robin. Robin. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting there talking to my wife uh, and I was telling her about the podcast and, and Tim and Ryan. And just to, to note, I know Tim is busy and on West Coast time. We, I sent a text to Ryan to see if he wanted to hop on, but I think he's busy. So this will be like a bonus feature for Ryan when he listens like, hey, I don't remember that part. <laughs> but, like, yeah, you don't remember that? You have amnesia. But anyway, we're at Red Robin and uh, I was talking to my wife about the podcast. We're talking about Adam West and and how we, we did like a little tribute and she, I, I couldn't stop thinking, like, why is his death is having such a huge impact on people, like, far beyond Batman and, and far beyond, yeah. you know, just just him as a celebrity. Like, this is really, for a certain group of people, hitting them, like, really, really hard. Um, and 
my wife asked me, so well, what did he die of? And I, I didn't, I didn't really know. So I looked it up and I saw that it said that his family had said he had a short but brave battle with leukemia. Um, and so we were kind of like, oh, I'm glad it was short and that he didn't, you know, suffer very long. Uh, but they, they had a picture of, uh, Batman and Robin, you know, the 66, you know, it was them both in their costume and, and Batman kind of like had his finger up, like explaining something to Robin. And, and then it kind of just hit me like why he, why he is so important. And it's because of the character of Batman, but it's what Adam West brought to it. And I think like, like most people, and I can, I think I can speak for you for this, Rob. We came to it as little kids. We, we were little kids. So yeah. when you watched the show, we did not see ourselves as Batman. We saw ourselves as Robin. You know, we were Robin. We, we were running around. Huh. Robin was the kid. And Batman was like the father. Like, I don't even know if I knew what their relationship was as a kid, but I'm sure if I could go back and find like little five-year-old me, I, I'd probably say like, oh, that's his son or that's his dad or something like I, I you know, I, I, or something like that. So we saw like ourselves as Robin and Adam West's Batman, like as our father or our father figure. And he was like such the perfect father to Robin like he always had time for Robin he never got mad at Robin when he talked to Robin you know he had that Adam West dialogue which people have made fun of but it was slow you know it was it monotonous it explained everything you know that mm-hmm. not monotonous monotone like it was almost like Mr. Rogers like he was like <laughs> Mr. Rogers to Robin and he was like he always had time to explain everything to him, which now as an adult, I can see was, you know, how the, the writers told the story and, you know, like story through exposition. But at the time, as a kid, you don't know that. You just think he's being a good dad, like explaining everything to Robin. He never got mad. Every time Robin messed up and got him in a, a death trap or something like that, he never was like, damn you, boy, wonder. He was always like, don't worry. You know, he always had time for him. He'd, he'd sit there and explain everything slowly and then be like, hurry to the Batcave. We've got no time to lose, you know, like after the fact of explaining it. And I, I think for a lot of people, Ad, Adam West's Batman and only Adam West would have played it that way and done it that way. It, it, that was like a father or a father figure to them. And, and it's hitting them like losing a parent. And, you know, I, I was pretty lucky in that I had a really good father and I had two good grandfathers and I had a lot of good uncles. I had a lot of good male influences in my life who were nice and kind and would teach me and do all those things. Um, but a lot of people didn't for a lot of people, Adam West was it, you know, and he was kind and and explained, but then he could also kick ass and, you know, like beat up bad guys and wham pow. It wasn't like wimpy. And uh, I think that's why it's hitting so many people so hard because it is like the loss of a parent or the loss of like a perfect like model of a parent or father. And I was wondering if you thought maybe the same thing or had a similar kind of experience with it. You know, and until you said that, uh, I think that makes perfect sense. You know, when we were going through, you know, earlier today uh, doing the, you know, tribute, I was even still – I think I even kind of stammered there, and normally I would go through and edit that out so it sounds professional. But I think I'm just going to leave that in. It was kind of like at the loss of like – I can't explain why the loss bothered me. I'm like – I start after the call was over, I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, you know – I'm still kind of bummed out, you know. It wasn't like I had posters of Adam West on my wall, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and different things, you know. I, I didn't grow up in the '60s when the show was, you know, relevant. But 
like kids in the 60s or 70s or 80s, whenever they saw it, um, kind of the same reasons that we relate to Tim Drake, Robin. We don't. It's hard to identify ourselves with being being like Batman, but it's really easy to put yourself in the Robin role and be going, "Wow, what's some good lessons you know Batman's teaching?" You know, I wish mm-hmm. I could be beside Batman, learning all these cool things. And like you were saying, like when even they, though they use the ruse as you know they're going off fishing, and Aunt Harriet was like, "Boy, those guys sure <laughs> like to fish all the time." <laughs> yeah. And then times where you know they were coming back from fishing and have fishing poles, they were sitting on uh, <laughs> yeah. the couch, you know, reading together. Um, yeah. And it's it's those type of things, and I I could see myself. Sitting beside my dad, you know, he would be reading the Sports Illustrated. We'd be talking about, you know, the Tigers, and I could kind of relate, you know, to that. And until you said that at this moment, I, I think that's kind of what it was for for me too. Of like, like the the TV father figure. You're like, what lesson is Batman going to teach Robin today? Then you'd walk mm-hmm. away from the episode going, Yeah, I should be good. I sh- I should be kind, and you know, always keep a chin up even when things go bad. And you know, I'm very much like you. I had, my my father was great. I had two grandparents that lasted all the way through high school, and I had that whole thing. But I think for some people that may not have had you know, grandparents or father, or maybe neither, maybe Adam West kind of filled that role that you can kind of get lost in the superhero stuff. But uh, a TV show like that, um, it's still, it's very safe. You don't have to, you know, kind of like watching The Flash or Green Arrow. You're like, eh, this could be, you know, a little scary for some kids, but you can put on Batman 66 and they're going to love it all day long and they kind of learn something from it. Uh, too, I I think you hit the nail right on the head there with that. I I wasn't even putting that together till you said that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, and like even like Flash and Arrow now, like they're great shows, but all those characters argue or have conflict or have you know. There's it's almost like oh, we we joke when we watch it, like all right, who's going to be emo in this segment? Who's gonna, <laughs> right, you know, and it's always like somebody gets mad and runs off, and then someone's like, all right, I'll go talk to them, and you know, and that never happened with Batman and Robin. Like he was never like angry at Robin and be like, and run off. And Alfred's like, Oh, I'll go talk to him. Like it, (laughs) he always had that, you know, just kindness and patience. And I think so many people associate that with Adam West because that was his portrayal of the character, which we didn't see. And that's what, that's what he brought to the role, you know? And, and, um, you know, it's kind of similar. I remember several years ago when Jimmy Stewart died, and like some of my friends who were just big, you know, uh, it's a wonderful life, you know, fans and and stuff that they it had that same kind of impact of almost feeling like, you know, like your grandfather or your father or, mm-hmm. some, you know, uh, and a father figure was gone. It was kind of shocking. And so, yeah. So thanks for letting me come on and, and add this little segment before we get in all the nightfall <laughs> fun. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Uh, Tim, any final thoughts? Yeah, so just looking about or talking about the legacy of the show and you guys are talking about the Grey Ghost. One of the lines from there just got me thinking, you know, when Batman tells him, you know, the Grey Ghost was my hero, and his next line was, you know, so it wasn't all for nothing. And I think that's kind of, you know, parallel to probably what Adam West felt during a period of time after the show was done. And maybe, you know, just a small portion of his acting career, but then later realizing what a big of impact it had on this so many people and just like you're mentioning Ryan, like the 
comic superhero industry in a way. And so how what might have been a small part of his acting career at that time, like maybe, you know, kind of maybe even typecast a little bit as only to be like the Batman character. But later realized, you know, it wasn't all for nothing. It's the impact it had on so many people was just, you know, incredible. And it's not going to be forgotten anytime soon, that's for sure. And probably even long after we're gone, people are going to be remembering Adam West for his portrayal as Batman and just the legacy he left. So, yeah, and this is great, too, that we still have one more thing to look forward to for him as Batman with the Batman Two-Face animated movie coming out soon. It's kind of going to be a nice way to, again, celebrate the life of Adam West with one final performance. So I'm really looking forward to that now more than ever. So it should be a, a good way to celebrate the life and career of Adam West. Very cool. I, th- I would just say ditto to all you guys. Uh, what you have said uh, throughout, it's just um, it's it's good to see, like I think it was Terrence to say, to kind of be able to, to see that come back around and win um, – they finally got the rights to be able to start producing Batman 66 stuff. I remember going into that, that winter, you start seeing, you know, the classic Batman 66 logo on t-shirts, the action figures start coming on. I'm looking at two of the action figures right here, uh, above my mouse and, uh, going, I, I never thought I was going to be able to buy any, you know, official, you know, Batman 66 stuff. I think I have a, a bootleg of like season two on VHS somewhere <laughs> that I, that I would watch and going this, if this tape breaks, I'm not, I'm not going to have any of these episodes. So when the DVD set finally came out, um, but that I, I had to get the whole, um, Blu-ray set and with the cards and the car and everything on it. Yeah. Um, and just the, the quality of that Blu-ray is spectacular too. Yeah. If people haven't watched it, it's, it's very, very good. It's not like just tape transfers or anything. It's like rescanned film. It looks good. Yeah. And the packaging is great. And plus, if you press the little button, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Batman theme song plays out of the box, you know. Yeah, so there you go. It's just the quality from the DVD, the packaging. Um, you could tell that somebody at Warner Brothers was like, I have been waiting to do this box set uh, for a very long time. So if you can track down this box set, um, the box set's worth it. You can buy them individually now as seasons. And, yeah, it's a little cheaper, but um, if you want a, a really cool collectible from 66 that just celebrates not only Batman 66, but you can see the star power Adam West had in here. And uh, uh, on a bittersweet note to also hear that he was once considered for a James Bond that we also lost our first James Bond uh, earlier this year. So uh, 2017's uh, kind of given it to us, but what what great work from uh, both individuals, Roger Moore and then, more importantly, uh, Adam West. So on Everyone Loves a Drake, a little moment of silence for our Bat Ambassador, Adam West. go, Bruce. Thanks, Mr. Trent. You know, as a kid, I used to watch it with my father. The Great Ghost was my hero. Really? And he still is. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Uh, 
You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Them. Love the Drake. You've got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 55. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We are also a proud member of BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. Speaking of uh, podcasting networks, uh, TBU, the BatmanUniverse.net, is also doing a podcasting network, and I think we're still waiting on some of the particulars from Dustin uh, to come in uh, to us, as I think there's going to be a new uh, bumper and audio intro to kind of announce uh, the podcast uh, network, and there's going to be more on that uh, to come. Terrence, how are you doing us today? Oh, good. <laughs> Werewolves of Gotham. i got to talk to you about that later. Right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, a missing werewolf from last uh, episode is Ryan. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I just listened to the last uh, episode a little while ago, and I'm, I feel kind of bad that I, like, it, the whole thing was my idea to read those demon issues. Yeah. And reading, listening to your uh, review, I was like, man, I really kind of, <laughs> I put them in a good spot. Yeah, so, I, I want to review fun. this, and I kind of actually think now I'm glad I didn't, because I think that kind of sucked. No. <laughs> yeah, and, and Rob, that was a good uh, song choice. I thought you were going to go with more of a demon, but you went with the werewolf part, but... Uh, that song has a kind of a special meaning to me because back I went through a phase kind of like Nightwing in the books we're going to look at here with the hair. I went through a phase where I was, was in middle school where I was really particular about my hair. And this was in the late 80s. So I had the mullet and um, I put it, I changed my picture on Skype so you could see what that looked like. And I used to uh, get up an hour early and comb my hair back and then lay on my couch before school so it would dry with like laid back I was, and it's funny because i'm the exact opposite now and i saw rob you, you just did a, a video i think back in april where you weren't wearing your hat and yeah. i see you're not too particular about your hair no, either. No, <laughs> i was all. like oh I, I think that was the first time i ever saw you without the hat uh and i uh but um but anyway one of my my best friends uh said that every time he heard the song werewolves of london and he has the one line that says, the, the, I saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's and his hair was perfect. He always thought of me with my hair <laughs> trying to be perfect in middle school like that. Uh, so excellent choice. And, and it means a lot. And oh, oh, I, I, that'll be my catchphrase. Yeah, yeah that's going to be our new uh, sign. And I was messing with the audio. Um, I forgot where we had done the first howl. You did the first howl in it. But I knew where the last one was. So I did a. Uh, for those who may haven't heard, he did a like a, a, a weird sound effect to make Terrence really sound like he's howling like a werewolf. Yeah, I was going to go with a, a a Kiss song in there, and 
Uh, my wife's been listening to uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, radio on Sirius FM, and this song came on, and I was like, oh, that's that's got to be the song. And she thought for the longest time the song was uh, Werewolves and Onions. <laughs> <laughs> also joining with this, I mentioned uh, uh, TBU, uh, a place where Terrence and I got our start podcasting. Our good buddy Tim Jirasi is back joining us again. Tim, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, what's up, guys? Doing good. Thanks for having me back to, you know, put a bow, I guess, on the whole Nightfall saga <laughs> with this one. You know how important that whole series was for me, so I appreciate you having me back on as we finish it up. Tim is being a little uh, uh, understated there. He said he's doing good. I, I think, Tim, I mean, you got to be like the luckiest guy or the greatest guy, because I was listening to the Bat Fans podcast the other day, so you've been on the cover of a CD of your favorite band, 311, <laughs> your your True. beloved Yankees, which are my beloved Yankees, are just killing it. They won last night like 14 to 3 or something in first place. Injustice 2 has come out, which is awesome. Wonder Woman, the DC Universe, is finally like on track now in the, the movie realm. Uh, what else am I missing? I mean, there's just like a million great things going on in, in Tim's life here. Right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. by you the way, there's also – You just went to the, car, the Cars 3 like, premiere yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> That is also true, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah thanks. I guess that is true, Sarah, too. Things are pretty good <laughs> right now with the geek world. Well, yeah, by the way, there's an awesome new Star Wars movie coming out in a few months. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget that. You know, not to also, uh, like I said, uh, be part of the Bat fans, although I'm really liking uh, every now and then that if you go to look up Twitter, I was trying to pull up uh, your information, and uh, I'm like, who the heck is Marcus Tiberius Lemke? <laughs> <laughs> so I was yeah. like, do, am I on the right page? And I see the Batfans logo. So I just want to, is there a little story to that there? <laughs> well, every year, like maybe around the second year of a podcast we started, you know what, let's have like a unique name for the show that we'll call it for each year before it was something crazy like Timmy Time and the Batfans Revolution. Yeah. Pod. So then uh, last year we thought, you know, let's kind of give a tribute to some of our, you know, most dedicated listeners who write in and send in their feedback a lot. So first, last year we dedicated the title to the show to Alex. This, we just called it Alex. Right. And then this year we get to one of our other uh, faithful listeners named Mark Lemke. And then Dane, that was having to throw in a little joke in there, added Tiberius as a middle name. So <laughs> Hence, our show is called Mark Tiberius Lemke for the year 2017. So <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And we'll have continuing updates on this late-breaking story. This is Summer Gleason, WGBS News at 11. I see we have some questions in our audience. All right, this just came across the uh, news desk, if you will. I'm always uh, envious of Batman on film. They always have emergency podcasts. And I'm like, man, the Drake is stuck in the 90s. We're never going to get an emergency podcast. And then I always remember, hey, we are covering Tim Drake and Rebirth, and Tim has been in prison almost as long as the show's been going on, but this just came across. Um, it was actually broke a Tuesday, June 13th at 10 p.m., only because I know I was on uh, Twitter at the time that this came through. Uh, Comic Book Resources uh, broke the story, but DC released it. Uh, I'll just read uh, the solicitation. This is for the month of September. So don't get excited to go into your comic book shop uh, this Wednesday when you're listening to the show because it won't be there. But it says uh, Tim Drake takes center stage in September's issue of Detective Comics while both that and Action Comics grapple with the mysterious Oz. It says DC has provided comicbook.com. 
uh, with an exclusive first look at the solicitation for Action Comics 987, 988, and Detective Comics number 965, and the standard Action Figure 987 and Detective. There will be uh, some, I think, variant covers. But the cover Detective Comics is partly interesting, as the image is an homage to George Perez's Batman 441 with the middle chapter to a Lonely Place a Dying story arc, in which Drake was introduced as the third Robin. And the upcoming Detective storyline entitled A Lonely Place of Living, it sees Drake trying to decide between uh, escaping Mr. Oz's prison and staying behind. I'll read the full description here from the solicitation. Uh, this will be Detective Comics 965, written by James Tenney IV, art by Eddie Barrows. Now, the only place of living part one is the story you've demanded. Where in the world, or otherwise, is Tim Drake? Red Robin faces a crossroad. Escape the most uh, devious prison ever designed or devised? or himself abandoned beyond time, space, and for all eternity. Not much of a choice, right? But when he finds out who is locked in there with him, Tim's world will change in ways he never imagined. This is one of the biggest stories of Rebirth Era, setting the stage for an explosive Detective Comics epic. So I sent uh, a text to Ryan and Terrence uh, with this uh, information. Kind of wanted to, really quick before we get into the Nightfall stuff, uh, what were your guys' uh, first reactions upon, you know, kind of seeing this news and kind of seeing uh, Eddie Barrow's uh, homage to um, Batman uh, 441? Let's uh, start with Terrence. You know, it was funny. The first place I saw this was was your text, Rob. And you, you said something, you showed the picture and you said something like, look what's coming. And I, I glanced at it quick and it looks so much like Lonely Place of Dying. I thought it was a, a updated cover for a trade paperback because you always complain that there's no trade paperback for the Lonely Place of Dying in year three and all that or, or it needs a new one. So then when I looked closer, I was like, oh, snap. And then I saw he was kind of doing kind of like what uh, Snyder did for Death of the family and death in the family, although this one won't be as confusing as one little preposition. Uh, but, uh, I kind of like, if you remember in, in, uh, Batman Forever when Riddler yelled out like, joygasm! I'm like, this, that's what Rob is doing right now in his house. He's like, I just imagined you like running from room to room and your wife looking at you like, why did I marry this guy? And you just running around, right. joygasm! Um, it's intriguing. I still, I'm a little confused. Because there was a one episode, uh, or episode, hello, one issue where Tim Drake was yelling, like, someone got out, someone got out, but I'm still a little confused as who got out, and I wasn't sure if that, if you read the Superman Reborn, if he was talking about, and I can never say it right, Mr. Mixpixel, or Mixelplix, or whatever his name is, or... Yeah. Uh, Pitalix. Yes, thank you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I say it. What, yeah. what he said. Yeah, I can't even say, or get, every podcast I listen to it says Gail Godot, or Gail Gadot, no one can say her last name right either, it's 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 just as bad um but anyway so i didn't know if that was what he was talking about and we still don't know if mr oz who exactly he is i mean we think it's ozymandias there's another one is it ozymandias or ozymandias or whatever uh um and then what's the most intriguing to me sorry i'm rambling here is um it says that tim is uh torn between leaving because somebody he doesn't want to leave somebody behind and then who is that somebody and it kind of starts running in your brain all of the characters from um pre new 52 or pre rebirth who we haven't seen yet in rebirth and who might be there so um 
overall, yeah, this is – I'd like to read it tomorrow, please, but I guess I have to wait. But, yeah, it's very exciting. should be cool. And one last thing I'll say before I, I'll, I'll go here. I, I hope there's a reappearance of Tim Drake's bicycle. I don't know why, but in Lonely Place of Dying, my favorite thing is that Tim Drake, like, was doing all this research and all this tracking down on his bicycle. And I think it's because I read it when yeah. I was, like, 16 or whatever, and I was going everywhere on my bicycle. And it was, like, such a connection that, like, oh, I could do this. I could figure out who's Batman and get on my bike and ride around. So uh, that's – I'm probably the only person hoping for uh, uh, <laughs> the rebirth of Tim Drake's Schwinn or something. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you th- all you thought you really needed was like superpowers or bit by a radioactive spider. Turns out all you need is a <laughs> exactly, and you, you could be a superhero. Uh, Ryan, what are your first thoughts when you uh, saw all this? Uh, the first thing I thought was the was the, obviously the title. Once you sent us the text, I was like, "Oh, a lonely place of living." The first thing I jumped to was um, after obviously making the connection between lonely place of living and a lonely place of dying was. Uh, a death in the family uh, from Scott Snyder and his new 52 Batman arc. And it made me think like, you know, that story built upon the previous one and did new things in new ways, but called back to it. And, and there's a purpose and a reason for bringing that story back up and trying to, you know, tie it in in some way. And then you showed me the the cover obviously of, of the lonely place of dying, you know, or the, one of the issues and, seeing those parallels was like obviously very, very obvious and deliberate. So it's obvious that something big is happening here. And, you know, we've known for months and months that Tim Drake is, uh, you know, Tinian, his, it's his, one of his favorite comic book characters and, and to hear it, the solicitation call it one of the, you know, biggest stories of the rebirth era is is really cool. I mean, that's, and then we called that too when we covered the issue where Tim Drake gets taken off the table. We said, you know, it, now, it, although he's gone, what this actually does is it makes him one of the most important characters in the DC universe right now because he has the the knowledge and agency of being able to know where he is and try to do something about it eventually. Like he's going to be very important at some point, and that's what this is, and that's hopefully what this story will be. So. It's very exciting. I'm trying to remember the issue of Detective. I was trying to fumble through them while you were talking, where they did one issue where Tim got out of prison, like he dismantled his suit and then was able to get out and was running and then was instantly put right back in. And he saw something and he was like, oh, my God, you know, that can't be. So I'm wondering if this is we're going to find out who the can't be is. So like right off the top of my head, I think, okay. At the same time that Rebirth was getting ready to start, uh, Tim Drake in the future was Batman Beyond that came through uh, Convergence and um, uh, Future's End, uh, rather. And at the end of that arc, right before Rebirth starts, the future Tim Drake disappears. So could Tim be seeing his older self there? Other people are speculating it could be Connor Kent, could be uh, Cassandra, could be uh, Bart you know, being impulse and a whole slew um, of other people Uh, just using a 441 as the example, the the covers are very reminiscent of one another and 441 Dick Grayson was staring at the Robin costume, wondering if he could go back, you know, could like the tagline when it was 
that was originally solicited was, you know, can you ever return home? And Dick had to come to grips with, no, I've moved on. Um, I can't go back to being Robin. I'm already this new uh, person. So right away, I'm looking at this and Tim's holding the Red Robin costume. Is mm-hmm. is that the same thing? Like, can I continue being Red Robin or uh, is it more cerebral? Like, I can't I can't be Red Robin go back to Batman and the gang and leave this other person or persons here. I'm going to have to stay, but he does get the chance to say I'm alive. And, you know, I've got to stay here till I can try to find a way to get people uh, out. So th- those are the couple quick things uh, that I see here. Cause you can kind of see, you know, Clayface looking really sad and you see Azrael in the background and Batwing and uh, Batwoman. So, um, it this does it gives us more questions, like Terrence said, and makes me want to read this uh, right now. And then just wondering, uh, you know, is this going to play into the Doomsday uh, clock? Yeah, what that was parts? my yeah, that was my wonder because you see the the date on this is late September, and I'm thinking, well, is this going to run through September, October, and November? And Doomsday clock comes out in November, right? Yeah, so that's almost like the perfect number of issues for like a trade or a six part thing. And then it could dovetail right into doomsday clock if they wanted it to. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Terrence, uh, this is, um, detective comics, nine sixty five. What 65 issue is it? That's important for Tim. Is that four sixty five was his first night, uh, with Batman, uh, as Robin on the town where he has that one, uh, adventure. Am I correct? I in don't saying know. I'd have to look that up. I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah, that's that's the issue of um, it's bat. It says ba- it's Batman four sixty five, but it says Batman with Robin, and it's oh, got okay. um, and it's got the Norm Brayfogle image with Batman and Robin on it. That's an homage back with, like, to the, the spotlight. You know, okay. Like the, the spotlights on. Yeah, that's a cool. Cover. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm wondering how much of that, like, it's just dumb luck that it's nine sixty five. This can this can probably be said now. All you have to do is Google this. Um, the Rebirth Detective Comics uh, nine fifty six uh, was altered from the version that we received, so it's it's been spoiled. It's out there, but in the pages of that, Bruce knew that Tim was alive because that was uh, put in the button, and then that Tim Drake story was taken out. So because that happened. Um, they had to change uh, what was said uh, in uh, 956, rather. So I'm wondering if they needed more time for the Doomsday Clock, like they just didn't want to put the little Tim Drake nugget into the button with uh, Batman and the Flash traveling around through time, and they can see Tim somewhere. So I'm kind of curious how how that's all going to pan out, because the trade for the button is going to come out a month like in August before uh, this detective comics, nine sixty five. So I, I'm kind of geeking out, like hoping that the missing Tim Drake pages will be in there. Like, Hey, this is what we were planning. Cause it's going to get a hardcover lenticular uh, treatment. And usually in those like hardcovers, they'll put in, you know, uh, artwork references and things like that. So I'm probably dreaming to think that those pages will be there. Uh, they probably won't. So I'm just I'm rambling on <laughs> on that part of it. But I thought this was uh, was a pretty big deal that 
uh, Tinian, uh, and he's been tweeting about uh, this off and on by putting up uh, little uh, captions from uh, Lonely Place of Dying. And I think I had uh, chimed in a couple times on some of his tweets. And I've said many times on the podcast that uh, The Lonely Place of Dying is one of my favorite Tim Drake stories. And I've said many times over that this is the Dark Knight Returns for uh, Robin fans. It does. It's a really good essay in Dick Grayson as Robin and Nightwing, and a really good essay in Tim Drake and how important the Robin character is. And I think with somebody like Tinian, that's roughly right around uh, all three of our ages, and he grew up reading these stories. That uh, who better else to write the story and kind of bring Tim back in? I just hope it's not one of those we get Tim for a little bit and he's gone. Um, one final question I wanted to ask if Tim Drake returns, do you want him to stay as red Robin or do you think it's time for Tim Drake to become something else? Uh, yeah. Uh, good question. And also throw in, um, don't be surprised if uh, Tim Drake or whatever's going on plays a role in uh, the, the Batman metal series for the summer because that is also yeah. it's co-written by tinian and snyder and i saw on the dc comics uh youtube channel that they mentioned that the the story is going to tie into crisis on infinite earths which then could lead to almost oh, wow. anything and everything uh as far as tim drake a red robin or a different character I would leave that totally up to James Tinian the fourth. I have, uh, he has proven over the last uh, year with Rebirth that he's got a great handle on the character. Matter of fact, a, a lot of different characters, but specifically Tim Drake. He's proven he yeah. loves the character. He's proven he's like, respectful and watch out for the character i know when there was all those rumors about him dying and he tweeted out like don't worry guys i got this like uh, you know so i have faith yeah. in him and if he wants to continue him as as red robin i'm on board if he has an, another idea for to him i'm on board too just as long as it's that core group of like james tinian and scott snyder and uh even though he hadn't hasn't done a lot you know king over at batman with I really like the writers on Batman right now. So um, I know King is a little controversial, but I like it. So so anyway, to answer your question, as long as it's this core group of creators doing it, I'm on board for anything. Cool. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. Like, they, they've done such a good job with Detective Comics. It's one of the strongest books in all of DC Rebirth right now. Um, having said that, I, I, I they'd have to have a really good reason to, to make Tim something else mm. um, or someone else. But, uh, you know, I, I, I liked him more as Robin than Red Robin just cause it seems a little redundant, but it does kind of give him his own identity when you're going to have three, four different Robins all in continuity at once. And that makes sense. Yeah. Um, having said that also, <laughs> if they want to change him into Blue Beetle or something, like whatever, like as long as he, <laughs> throw back there, as long as he's Tim Drake and they, and they do a good job, I think that's all that matters. Yeah. I I think I'm I'm right there with you guys. Um, I always liked that you know when uh, Dick took Damien as his Robin and kind of ousted Tim like, hey, we're equals or whatever. Tim still took it like, you know what? I'm going to be Robin. I'll just be kind of like this rogue Robin. Use the Red Robin persona as a kind of like a middle finger to his little brother. Like, you know what? I'm still Robin. <laughs> you can be Robin, but I'm just going to be a red one. So I always like that. But yeah, um, wouldn't that be funny 
if James was listening to this podcast and heard Chuck talk about you know the Blue Beetle thing, he's like, oh, I think I'm going to turn <laughs> yeah. Tim into the Blue Beetle, <laughs> which I don't think that's going to happen because we've got Blue Beetle and uh, Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes, you know, uh, kind of going on at the same time, but. So I just wanted to get this out there uh, real quick before the podcast drops. Now I've got to do a little bit of editing to uh, slide this in. So the next thing you're going to hear is the BBC radio drama for Nightfall in part one of our Night's End uh, discussion. We'll see you guys on the other side. All right, we're back and we're finally getting ready. I feel like it's taking us a long time to complete the Nightfall saga and we haven't actually covered all of the books. I kind of had made like an executive decision. It's so hard to not read all of Nightfall. I, Terrence and I were joking early on that we could turn this into a Nightfall podcast and that would be a great thing and I'd be perfectly <laughs> fine with that. So the last time we left the Nightfall saga... Uh, Bruce Wayne had just come back and had his first run in uh, with Asbats and kind of got his butt handed to him a little bit in the Batcave. And Bruce quickly realized that he was going to have to do um, a lot of training to uh, catch up to where he was and could he reclaim the mantle of Batman. So, as always with Nightfall... Depending on where this is edited, we're going to hear kind of the story through the BBC radio drama that brings us up to where we're currently going to be talking. So we're going to take a little bit of jumps here, but I wanted to use this uh, intro part here to kind of get us up to the, the discussion where we're going to start our discussion with Robin 8. It's part five of Night's End. So it's a little bit of a jump. So did you guys have anything you wanted to talk about uh, from where we last left off leading up to uh, Robin 8 here, the book that comes out right before this is Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, and that's part four, where we have the mask of Tangu and Bruce Wayne's going under uh, training from uh, Lady Shiva. So I just kind of wanted to go around the room and kind of maybe just talk about this first a little bit before we dive uh, into uh, Robin number eight. Uh, let's start with Terrence. Yeah, I think at this point in reading it in real time, uh, me and a lot of other people were having a bit of event fatigue. So I think having this be night's end and knowing this was the ending part and wrapping it up soon um, kind of gives you that last little, I guess, like running a marathon gives you the last little, not that I'd know anything about running a marathon, but <laughs> gives you gives you that last little jolt of adrenaline to, to finish through. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting when we interviewed Chuck Dixon that he said that it they wrapped it up a little bit sooner than they planned because it wasn't selling as well. Uh, so uh, I think I, I was very, very ready to see Bruce step back in the to the the role of Batman and, and very curious what would happen to all the other players of Nightfall. Uh, Ryan. Yeah, I don't have much to add here other than the fact of, you know, I believe all of Night's End was probably done uh, over a lot of month. Like they had a one to two issues of this per week or something over yeah. all the books. And they end up bringing so, in Legends, which was primarily a right. prequel. I can't think of the word I, I want to use, but it really wasn't set like a side, in, in a side series. Right. Yeah. yeah, but they they used Legends for um one for Night Quest the Search as well. Yeah. And then they brought it in for a, what a two, a two parts of Night's End, I believe. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, but I've I've now I had never read Night's End piecemeal. I had always read it just as a trade, and as a trade, I think it it reads pretty darn well. So um, you know, it's good to have it all in one nice encapsulated you know final 
final chapter. Yeah. Uh, Tim. Yeah. So kind of just what Ryan said, I first read Night's End in a trade as well. There was a point like a, a year, or two, I forget how often or how recently once Nightfall kind of wrapped up and a little bit into Night's Quest where I just couldn't get comics anymore for a little bit. So I kind of missed the initial releases for it. But I remember being super excited to finally see the conclusion of the story uh, that, you know, really got me hooked onto collecting comics back in 1993. So when I first read the trade, I mean, I thought it was really great. I mean, before we get to the point of the, uh, the story where we're going to talk about on this episode, just the stuff before it, I mean, I always love seeing and reading or watching uh, stuff of Bruce Wayne's training, whether it's, you know, him becoming Batman, uh, traveling to Japan or in like Batman Begins, uh, stuff like that always fascinates me about the character. I just love it. So the idea of we're kind of seeing him retrain himself again, I thought was a really cool way to, you know, have him take the mantle of Batman back. And there's a lot of cool sequences in some of those early parts of Night's End. And I just love his Tango costume also. <laughs> that mask uh, yeah. looks like a bat. It's like, I think it's really cool. So the stuff leading up to uh, what we're going to talk about now and him finally donning the costume again and taking on Azrael, I thought was really cool too. So just all around, I just thought it was a great way for Bruce to make his comeback as Batman. Oh, well, with that, let's just get right into Knights uh, End Part 5. Like I said, we're going to take a little bit of a jump, and we'll make one more here. Sounds like this John Paul Valley guy crossed the double yellow line a few exits back, Robin. He still thinks he's this medieval hitman, this uh, Azrael. Bruce figured Paul could work through his problems, Knightley. Uh, we're nearly at Bruce's camp. Why didn't Bruce ask me to stand in for him, Tim? I was the first Robin. Surely I'm number one on the draft list. There wasn't a lot of time to make calls, Dick. And you have a life away from Gotham City now. Wait a second. There's Bruce in that clearing doing push-ups. But there are two figures sneaking up on him. My God, come on! 206. 207. <sighs> 1,207 push-ups. Nearly my personal best as Batman. What? The last of Master Shao's disciples wishes to avenge his master's death against the one who wears the mask of his assassin, the former Batman. You wear the mask of Tengu? Prepare to pay for the murder you committed with your life? But I am not the assassin. We both know that I vowed never to kill, right, Lady Shiva? Ah, but you wear the mask now. You asked me to retrain you, to make you fit once more to be the Batman. You must defeat this final foe to complete your training. I can see why Bruce picked this old lumber camp for training in, but who's the attacker? The no. But that's the Lady Shiva in the black jumpsuit, and she's twice as deadly. This guy's the toughest so far. Those rice flails are giving him quite an edge. You're losing, Master One. Bear this last test, and you will not only forsake your right to claim the Batman's name, you will die! She's not kidding. Got to even the stakes. Only by killing him can you pass. Only by breaking your vows. It is the hidden cost of accepting me as your teacher. I suspected all along that your training would come to this. I have no choice but to use the ultimate sanction. No! He's dead! You broke your vow never to kill! You passed the test. Honor is satisfied. You killed the last disciple. Farewell, Batman. Nightwing, Robin, you weren't supposed to see this. Bruce! 
You killed a man. You've made yourself no better than John Paul Valley. Hold a flashlight steady, Montoya. This must be the place, Harvey. Woman said she heard screaming from below ground. Over here with the flashlight. Oh, my God. And that's a bat line he's trusted the chair with. This is Sergeant Bullock. Ambulance to Brave Vogel Winery now. Got a man here suffering from exposure. Rat bites. Ugh. Did that man forget this guy? Or did he leave him to die? You killed a man, Bruce. Is that what it takes to be Batman these days? Is that why this John Paul Azrael, whoever he is, guy, is running amok around Gotham? What happened to the Bruce Wayne I knew when I was Robin? Is this what you're teaching Tim as acceptable behavior? Now he's your partner? Dick, Nightwing, listen to me. Listen to you. You hand Gotham over to that nutcase alder boy. You leave this kid out to dry without a snowball's chance. Killing this creep doesn't make you as bad as the slime we used to hunt. It makes you worse. Why did you do it, Bruce? It turns everything into a lie. Huh? Uh, a skillful opponent. Honor is satisfied. It's alive. It's a blow I've never tried before. But Shiva was going to keep sending her enemies for me to deal with unless I appeared willing to kill, to appease her bloodlust, to satisfy her need to corrupt. The trick was to put this guy under just deep enough to fool her. Sure fooled us. Bruce, I'd say you just passed out of the academy with flying colors. That depends on whether we can beat Jean-Paul to finding Lee Hardick. I don't want any more blood on Batman's hands. Let's get to work. Night duty in Blackgate Prison. I pull overtime just when my wife's not doing a night shift. Must be a full moon. Every loony in ten block is acting up. Sooner they rebuild Arkham Asylum, sooner we can get rid of these weirdos. Did you give the Riddler a sedative? Every hour on the hour. Anything to stop him asking those damn questions. Who's that having a nightmare? Think maybe you ought to take a look-see? Ah, that's Bane. Every night he's hallucinating. Hundreds of bats are crawling all over him. Withdrawal symptoms off of some drug. Get off of me. <sighs> feet over the city. The cape swirling in the wind. My cowl. My true face. Back where it belongs. The batarang line snakes out across the castle. And I am a creature of the night once more. Uh, starting with Robin uh, number eight, uh, Bruce Wayne murder. Uh, the previous uh, issue finds Nightwing and uh, Robin uh, coming in at the very end as uh, Bruce has appears to have delivered uh, the final blow and with these issues coming out a little faster because they were getting ready for zero hour to come along i don't feel like we had to wait as long uh, to find out did bruce wayne actually really uh, kill somebody here to prove that he was going to be able to do it but i think it was still um a shocking moment as a, a batman fan to having witnessed a batman al- already previously allow somebody to die uh, that Asbats did and hear that Bruce Wayne has to prove himself to Lady Shiva that uh, they, the assassins are not going to stop unless Bruce you know, proves that he's willing to go uh, the extra edge. So with the cover and then also how the uh, book starts out, what do you guys think about this? Uh, the cover, I think, is uh, really bold as well. Uh, think of how this uh, starts out, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I think um, 
again, I had to dig out. The, the, this is the first time I've read the issue individually, you know, and I'm like, ooh, there's a cool cover. So, um, yeah, it just has Bruce Wayne front and center and <laughs> – you know, it's a nice uh, early call to the Bruce Wayne murder thing. I know <laughs> yeah. that we get uh, a real storyline with that later on, but um, just looking at it, I you know, in the first couple pages, it's the whole setup for this is really interesting to have Bruce Wayne appear to kill someone, you know, and what and explore what you know um, his protege's reaction would be to that, and I like. Shiva's point about Batman killing. I mean, her whole point of doing it is just to get him to do it, you know, explicitly once because she says it's a door. Death is a door that opens only one way. It may never be reopened once a warrior has stepped to the other side. So I think that's a really interesting point. And uh, this is a Chuck Dixon scripted issue. And I don't know if that was Chuck's choice or something that editorial decided to put in here because I've, um, reading up on Nightfall, it seems like a point like this was pretty important for Nightfall as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's one of those distinguishing things between which, what the true Batman is, you know, when you compare Batman to um, Azrael. And um, I think that's kind of one of the bigger points of Nightfall as a whole. So I think it's an interesting point they're trying to make of like, Batman does not do this. And and it, and this whole situation framed around trying to get him to, to kill someone is is very interesting. And I also like to point out that um, I really like the way that this is set up in the audio drama too. I think it maybe even flows a little bit better than the comic book. I think so too. Uh, Terrence, yeah, I, I really like Nightwing's costume. I don't oh, know how, how this is what how this <laughs> ranks. I know there's a lot of disco Nightwing you know humor out there, but uh, yeah, I. I this is kind of like classic Nightwing, classic Tim Drake. So awesome cover. Uh, Tim. Yeah. So when I was reading this for the first time, I it had me at first like, man, did Bruce really do? Like, did he really kill someone? I mean, this is an important thing for him to take the mantle of Batman back. So was he gonna, you know, cross the line just this one time to do it? And the way Nightwing was laying into him about it, and Bruce kept telling him the reasons why uh, it. It had me as a young reader at that time reading it, you know, thinking that he actually did it. But, you know, as we, of course, find out, Bruce didn't actually kill him. And again, just I love how it shows that Bruce is always one step ahead of even someone, you know, like as Lady Shiva, Shiva, who's regarded as the greatest martial artist in the world. And that Bruce was kind of able to fool her Mm -hmm. and one up on her in this situation, making her believe that he killed uh, this opponent. So uh, this is a great moment when they finally do realize that. Oh, oh, he's like really alive. And Brizoli, you saw what I wanted Shiva to see. Now let's just hurry up and get this man to the emergency room. He has a little smirk on his face. So I just love how this whole sequence played out with Night Nightwing laying into him for how can he do that, and then just how it was revealed and how calm and cool Bruce was, not letting his guard down, playing the part, acting like he did kill it, but then you know showing that he did not break his one rule, his most important rule. And you know, at, at the end of the day, it was like they got. Bruce Wayne back right here at that moment where he real, where they realize okay he's still the same Bruce Wayne that we need to get back in the Batman costume so I thought it was really well done. Uh, a moment I like is with Tim on uh, page six the very first uh, the top panel up there says uh, why did you do it everything uh, turns into a lie and that's got to be a real heartbreaking thing for Tim to see and then literally the next panel is uh, like we said uh, Nightwing realizing hey the guy's alive. And uh, everything kind of comes, 
you know, rushing back that Nightwing and Robin can kind of go, oh, okay, we we can understand how how Bruce had to play it and it had to be believable for the two of them knowing that Shiva was going to be around. Uh, the Azrael story uh, that's also going on that's intermixed in here is with him uh, going after uh, Leha, which I always thought is a was a weird name um, in this, but it's him uh, going out and uh, going after him and trying to avenge his father. So we have all this uh, intermixed in here, and then we end up finding out that uh, Shiva goes back to the clan uh, that. Uh, the warrior that uh, Bruce attacked was there. Um, something else that Ryan had said in the audio drama, looking at page 12 here with Bruce as standing on top of the gargoyle. Um, it works in the comic, but I think it's played out a little bit better in the radio drama, which you just mm-hmm. heard leading into this, was uh, Bruce standing on top of the gargoyle and uh, jumping out into the night. And the radio drama actually takes it uh, a step further before that, where Bruce is standing on the same gargoyle and he realizes he can't jump off uh, into the night because he's not ready. And uh, we don't see that here, but I think it would have been a nice touch um, to see Bruce jump off in this uh, costume and knowing know that he's ready to fully become Batman. Well, and that becomes a big part of uh, After Zero Hour, the prodigal story, where yeah. he keeps going up on the gargoyle and can't jump. And I remember, I know this is jumping the gun, and I'll probably say it three more times before we get there. <laughs> but I remember reading Prodigal as it came out, and we'll always be like, is he going to jump? Is he going to jump? Oh, he, he does it in, Knife, in Night's End. He does it. And then issue following this, I believe. It's in a – is it not in a Legends of the Dark Knight issue? I know. I, in, in Batman costume? I don't think it actually is because I don't think it's actually until um, Bruce officially comes back the very first – after Dick is done being Batman, where Bruce comes back in, um, I'm kind of rapidly going through yeah, books, but I don't, I don't know. I only have these issues because in Night's End oh. Aftermath, he's doing stuff with Robin. So I'm going to have to okay, go back I've, and look at that. I got it. Yeah. It's in um, which issue? It's in the Catwoman number 12, Night's End part six, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> See yeah, what happens, starts, Rob, when you make everybody yeah. skip. <laughs> Yeah. It starts. It starts with him. The first page is him in Batman, uh, the Batman outfit on top of the gargoyle, and he jumps off right, right in the beginning of that. You know, I gotta he's check. Like, he's Batman again. Is there something with? I gotta look at Prodigal again because I thought that was in Prodigal, him not being afraid to jump off the gargoyle thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna have, have to look at that again. I'm gonna have to do hey, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and when I, after I do that, hey, I wanted to ask you too on page nine. The, the the villain was it his Lehigh? I know Tom Grummet. I always say all of his faces look alike, but don't you think that just looks like Bruce Wayne with a mustache? <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a little bit. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. In his uh, red uh, devil monkey here that he's holding up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Tim, any thoughts of a uh, you know a Batman here? Uh, Bruce Wayne uh, finally now uh, ready to claim the mantle of uh, Batman. Yeah, I mean, when reading it for the first time, it was one of the uh, panels of him on that gargoyle. It's like, we're just so ready for him to get back in the Batman costume. I just remember thinking, oh, I hope it's in this issue that we do see that of him actually in the Batman costume. And the don't know if you want to jump too far ahead to that moment, but uh, when it does happen, I'll just say it was a great moment back then. And even re- rereading it 
to, to prepare for this podcast again. It's been a while since I read this story, I have to say, but even reading it again, it still gave me like goosebumps when he <laughs> appears back in the Batman costume. So it's just, this whole issue, how it was laid out from how it started to that moment here on the Cargoyle and then to how it ends with him finally donning the Batman costume again is just really, really cool. And it still has a great effect <laughs> of how this, the way the story is tell is just done really cool for Batman fans to experience, I think. Oh, definitely. And I know we had asked uh, Chuck in one of our uh, previous episodes about getting Nightwing uh, back and to see Nightwing actually being part of the Batman family and kind of away from uh, the Teen Titans. Um, I remember, and even the the dialogue between uh, Dick and Tim as they're in the Batcave kind of, you know, looking at blueprints with Harold and um, Dick kind of coming to terms of, you know, why he, he chose uh, Azriel and why, you know, he may not have uh, chose to use him uh, got me thinking, like Terrence said, getting into Prodigal going, uh, I wonder what that would have been like if, you know, because we didn't know what was going around in DC Comics at the time, but what that would have been like if Dick Grayson would have been, you know, Batman, how, how he would have operated as Batman. So it's kind of, you know, a little precursor to what we're going to get and uh, seeing uh Tim kind of buddy up with Nightwing here just really makes you uh, appreciate uh, Nightwing and uh, Robin's uh, working uh, habits uh, back and forth. Uh, any uh, thoughts on Nightwing and uh, Robin working together um, and hoping that they were going to become uh, Batman and Robin? Uh, Terrence? Yeah, you know, on page 14, uh, Dick Grayson, with his ponytail there, uh, <laughs> re- refers to... Uh, Jean Paul as Asbats, and I yeah I was gonna I, I was yeah. gonna bring that up yeah, yeah was that the first time he's mentioned that because I always thought that was something fans just came up yeah. with too, and then yeah. to see it in print I was like oh wait a minute so is that the first mention of Asbats I don't know I I'm yeah, gonna have to I, reread and figure it out because I mean I, it's definitely a fan thing I kind of wonder if it's a thing that we're like okay now that uh, we're gonna just pop Nightwing into the story, we'll have him be the one that, you know, comes up with that name because, you know, later we'll see Nightwing and Ezreal fight and then they call each other a bunch of names. So I kind of wonder if that's where it comes from. But next time I do a giant Nightfall reread, I'm going to pay attention to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I I, I had the same note of uh, Asbats and I I completely forgot that was even in here. Um so I always thought that was a fan thing that we came up with. Even the Mattel figure that I bought says Asbats on it. So I thought, as oh, baby. Yeah. As, <laughs> as, as Denny O'Neill calls him. Yeah. <laughs> I know this. Um, any other thoughts with uh, Nightwing and Robin there, uh, Tim? Uh, I just always love seeing them interact with each other. And even that little moment where Tim has to lie to his father is like, about being out late now we yeah. don't have a ride home and then dick just tells him you know you know look at the bright side at least you have someone to lie to so this is the little back and forth that sometimes they have and it's the way they interact with each other is always fun to read so and it was on display in this issue too We're moving closer through the uh, end of this book since the audio drama took uh, a a lot of it from uh for us we have to discuss every single panel coming through here getting to see uh bane again uh for the first time since everything mm-hmm. has gone on and with uh arkham being uh you know destroyed and i do they say they're actually in blackgate here um i would assume that's probably where they are um that uh, bane is having his you know delusions and his nightmares and again i don't the comic is so good but i think this is another beat that the radio drama plays uh, rather yeah. well with Bane can tell that his nightmare is over 
that uh, the true Batman is back. So that does the question I want to ask you guys is Bane actually more afraid of Jean-Paul Azrael, and that's what's giving him nightmares that somebody, not the real Batman, broke him. So who's he more afraid of? Like once he can you know feel or sense that Bruce Wayne's back, all of a sudden he's not scared anymore. So that's kind of the question I wanted to ask. Do you think he's more scared of uh, Jean-Paul? Or Bruce, let's start with Ryan. I I think it has a little bit more to do with him realizing that everything he's done has just become undone. You know, his entire mission was to defeat Batman. And even though Jean-Paul was the one that defeated him in Nightfall, I think he still was at least able to hold on to the fact that he defeated the true Batman. So now he's sitting here and realizing that, you know, the true Batman's back, it kind of like is... You even hear that in the audio drama. I think it, his agony is because everything that he he his life's mission is is now become undone. That's how I took it, Terrence. Yeah, I took it as Bruce Wayne coming back because then after his little outburst on the last page, it shows you know Bruce back in the bat suit in the classic you know Neil Adams bat suit, uh, which I kind of forgot about this last page full page panel, but it's pretty awesome. I'm surprised that hasn't become a little bit more iconic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I took it took it as Bruce Wayne. He senses Bruce Wayne is back. Tim. Yeah, me too. First off, I just love how they included that here, a little prelude to showing the actual return of Bruce's bat. I thought it was cool that they went back and to show Bane that he knows he has returned. And I agree where I think it is more that Bruce is back because, you know, he thought he beat him and he broke him, but yet he made it through that, and now he has returned. So maybe he's thinking, you know, like, what kind of creature is this guy? After all I did to him, he's now back. So, yeah, I definitely think it's for Bruce. And what I really like is that Tom Grummet gets to be the one that draws Batman, Bruce Wayne, for the first time, putting on the cowl. Um, I like the little... Um, like I would call them razor blades, but little horns and little uh, parts that are top of the cape that they started drawing uh, periodically in the comic. Um, this really kind of shows you uh, the um, presence that uh, Grummet gives a lot of his drawings. I mean, because he's been drawing Tim and his friends for quite a bit, but to draw the physique of Batman here has really made me... Um, I was already a huge fan of uh, Grummet's artwork, and his artwork is just spotless. We've said it numerous times on the podcast, but seeing him draw uh, Batman, I think, is just a, a really, really cool thing. So what we're going to do right here, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a jump. We're going to go from Part 5 to Part 9, uh, but in the meantime, you're going to hear a little bit more of the radio drama, and on the other side of the radio drama, the three of us, uh, four of us, will come back, and we will finish up Batman Night's End. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. All right, folks, that's where we're going to put a pin in it for this episode. I apologize for the length of the episode. We were just like a minute away from an hour and 30 minutes. Um, we wanted to have the Adam West stuff up front because we felt as Bat fans that's what needed to be there. And I wanted to try and squeeze just a little bit of Nightfall in there. Plus we had uh, the uh, announcement of Lonely Place of Living in there. So I think you got a really good uh, chunk of an episode there. And like I said, the Adam West stuff was really important for uh, the four of us to be able to discuss. So uh, with that being said, you only have to wait a couple weeks because the rest of the show I've been editing all day. That is finished. 
finished and complete in the can. So in two weeks, you can come back and hear the conclusion of Night's End, and we will move forward. So on the behalf of Terrence, Ryan, and Tim, this has been Rob, and you've been listening to the thebatmanuniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at Robin, ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin, everyone loves the Drake, and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.